And so we are on week two of a series that we're calling Life in the Spirit. And so I titled it that because my, my first Bible, when I first became a Christian, somebody, my, my first like um, commentary Bible, study Bible, was called the Life in the Spirit Bible. And I think, it's, I think it's called the Life Application Bible now. But it was, um, man, it was just such a good Bible for me to have. And, and all, all through it, it took scripture and it helped you apply it to your life like right now. And, and last week, that was really where we started with the Holy Spirit. We, we looked at how God the Father and, and Christ the Son have their, their roles in our life and they all play a purpose. But it's the Holy Spirit that really makes it and activates the word of God and, 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 and makes it real right now. And, and the Holy Spirit sometimes gets a little bit like, I think we're cautious when we talk about the Holy Spirit. Some of you right now get nervous. You're like, okay, are they going to pull snakes out? Uh, you know what I'm saying? I didn't see any tambourines or anything like that. But, but the, the Holy Spirit is one of those subjects where oftentimes he's not talked about or he's avoided because there's some weirdness involved with it sometimes, right? And what I want us to do today, I want to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit, and I want to debunk some of that stuff. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird, <laughs> okay? <laughs> and so oftentimes, that, you know, the third person of the Trinity, we have God the Father, we have Christ the Son, and then we have the Holy Spirit. And I think we stay in the first two categories because everybody in here has a father, so when we talk about God the Father, I can relate to God the Father. I have a father, you have a father, it makes sense. Christ the Son, you may have a brother or someone, you know, you, 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 I can understand that. Christ the Son, I, I have a, or, or you have a, a son or a child, but, but then there's this Holy Spirit. <laughs> and the King James is Holy Ghost. And, and the reason for there's so many different, you know, translations is because they didn't know, they didn't really have a good English word for it in the New Testament. The, the, the Greek is pneuma, holy, it's, it means breath or wind or soul, holy spirit. So that's why King James just said ghost, and then most translations say spirit. But what I want you to see is it's, it's more than that, that the Holy Spirit is more than just this, this influence or this force, that the Bible is pretty clear that, that the, the Holy Spirit is a person, and, and he walks with us and he speaks to us. And there's all these different things that the Holy Spirit um, does in our life. And he works through us in incredible ways. And it's the way that God gets done what he wants to get done on this planet right now. He does it through the power and the workings of the, of the Holy Spirit. And so the, the verses I want to I look at today, just, I just got five things I want to draw out. And we're going we're gonna to look in the book of John. And so in the book of John, there's, there's what's known as the upper room discourse. And so John 14, 15, and, and 16, three chapters. We're not going to read them all. Don't worry. Uh, we're going to go through it. And, and so I want you to take for a minute, a minute and just, just imagine that you're one of the disciples and you've been living with Jesus for the last couple of years. You left your job, right? Peter was a fisherman. We got tax collectors. We got all these different, you know, walks of life. They left their careers to follow Jesus. And so they've been walking and talking with the Son of God, and he's been teaching them. It was like a, it was a mentorship program. It was more than just, he, he didn't teach them in the temple. He taught them in the, in the boat and on the Sea of Galilee and on the mountain. And they did life with Jesus, these disciples. 
And, and in the upper room, you know, when he, in John 14, he begins to get them ready for his departure. They didn't want him to go. They actually thought that he was going to establish his kingdom then, and they were kind of like fighting over who was going to be CFO and CEO, and they were ready to kind of take over the world, and that's what they thought was about to happen. And Jesus said, no, he, he, he taught them a lot of, in the upper room. He, he washed their feet. He showed them this beautiful imagery of, of servant leadership. But then he started saying this, this statement that it's better for me to go away, talking to his disciples. Now, to me, that doesn't make any sense. What would be better than literally having Jesus, like, with you? I don't, I, you know what I mean? Like, like it would be, wouldn't that be cool? Like, I could just set up a meeting with Jesus Go down and talk, you know, sit down and talk with him. Hey, this is going on in my life, and uh, I don't know what to do about I mean, I've applied to all these schools, but I don't know which one I need to go to. Uh, I'm thinking about a career change. How cool would that be, right? They, they had that. But he said something better is coming, and he called him the Holy Spirit. And at that time, they didn't have a broad knowledge of who the Holy Spirit was. In the Old Testament, when the Holy Spirit would move on a person, you, you would see like, like Samson, for instance. It would say the Spirit of the Lord would come upon Samson, and he would have these, this great, powerful strength. Or Jeremiah would prophesy. or the, So it would say the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jeremiah, or the Spirit of the Lord came upon Moses. They didn't understand this concept of God coming and living inside of them. Up to that point, he lived in buildings. It was the Holy of Holies. It was the temple. It was the Ark of the Covenant. And Jesus is saying, no, something really cool is about to happen. God is going to send his spirit, the Holy Spirit, who's already here. But there's going to be this deep, personal work that he's going to do inside of you. And he's going to be like your best friend. It's going to be like we're talking right here, right now. And so he's getting them ready for this. John 14, just I want to read these two verses. This is Jesus talking to his disciples. He says, I'm going to ask the Father, verse 16 and 17, and he's going to give you another helper. Somebody say, help me. Come on, say it like you mean and say, help me. All right, he's going to give you a helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth. Now, here's the kicker. The world can't receive because it doesn't see him or know him, but you know him for he dwells with you. Now here's the really special part. And will be in you. So I want you to look at that verse again. He refers to the Holy Spirit as a him five times. The world can't receive him because it doesn't, it can't receive him because it can't see him or know him. But you know him for he will dwell with you and will be inside of you. And so Jesus is referring to the Holy Spirit as a person. We see this all throughout the New Testament. I haven't found one time where the Holy Spirit is referred to as an it or a force or, or like this, you know, this spiritual, you know, mystic cloud of, of God's presence. But over and over and over, dozens of times, he's referred to as a person. And I just want to give you a few things that the New Testament draws out about the personality of the Holy Spirit. So it describes him in, great, in detail, and, and, and this is in your handout, but it, you know, Romans 8.27 says the Holy Spirit has a mind. He can think. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 11 says the Holy Spirit has a will. He can decide. He makes decisions. Romans chapter 15, verse 30, also in Galatians 5, the Holy Spirit has emotions. 
He can sense. He can feel. Acts chapter 9, verse 31, it says that the Holy Spirit comforts or consoles. Many times you'll see him referred to as, as the, the wonderful, as the comforter or the counselor. He speaks. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 7, we see the Holy Spirit speaking. He teaches. John chapter 14, verse 26, that the Holy Spirit's going to teach you all things. He can be grieved. Ephesians 4, verse 30, there's things that we can do that can, that can offend the Holy Spirit. He can be insulted. Hebrews tells us that. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, says that, that the Holy Spirit can be resisted. We can fight against his leading. I've always heard it say that the Holy Spirit is a, is a gentleman. He's not going to make you do anything. But he leads and he guides. And so why is it important that we look at the Holy Spirit, we refer to the Holy Spirit as a person? Because to me, I think if we look at the Holy Spirit as an it or a force, we won't relate to him personally. But when we see and view and know the Holy Spirit is a person, we relate to him personally. Just like you'd sit down with someone and talk and have coffee. That he's a, he's a person. It's the, it's the third member of the, of the Godhead, right? It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I don't know how it works. I know it's three in one. Don't ask me to explain it because I can't do it. But it's like an egg, you know what I'm saying? You've got the shell, you've got the white part in the yolk, or like an apple, you got the, you got the peel, then the meat, and then the core. But it's an apple, it's just one. Well, God is, is there's this, this, we call it the Trinity, and it's the, the Father, the Son, and then we have the Holy Spirit. Well, that's great. So, so what is the role, what does the Holy Spirit do? What is his, what is his job in our life? I'm glad you asked. In the upper room discourse, so Jesus is in the upper room. He washes the disciples' feet. Judas is doing what Judas is, you know, was, he's betraying him. He left, and he's on his way to, to sell out Jesus. And somewhere between the upper room and the walk to the Garden of Gethsemane, he has this conversation. That's John 14, 15, and 16. And that's important to know. Jesus knows exactly where he's going. He knows he has a few hours left with his disciples. He's heading to the garden. He knows what Judas is doing. He told him what you must do, do quickly. He takes off. He's snitching, right? Jesus knows that the, the, the Roman soldiers are coming. And so he has a few special hours with his disciples. And he has a conversation with them. I, I don't know where it was at. Could have been in the upper room. Could have been on the road to the garden. Could have been in the garden. But he, he says the Holy Spirit... He says he will five times in John 14, 15, and 16. He gives five primary functions that the Holy Spirit would do and be for the disciples. And it's what he, it's what he does for us. And that's what I want to look at very quickly. The first thing he says is this, John 14, verse 16. I'm going to ask the Father, and he's going to give you another counselor, comforter. And he's going to be with you forever. That's number one. So he, he, he breaks out this word for the Holy Spirit, counselor. In, in the Greek, it's parakletos or parakletos. And, and so counselor is, is one translation. Some translations translate it comforter. The best illustration I could see and find for this, it would be like if you're, you know, say you cut down a big old pine tree. And you're up there and you've got to move that thing and you're trying to, to lift one side of it. 
your parakletos or your helper would be someone who comes alongside you and helps you accomplish the work that you're doing. That's what he means. It means called to one side. Somebody that's with you. And so, so that, with that illustration, we see that the, the comforter, the, the Holy Spirit, is with you on Sundays, but he's with you on Monday when you go to work. He's with you on Tuesday when you go to school. He's with you on Wednesday after school. He's with you on Thursday when you're around the table you know, with your family. That, that this imagery is this, this person of God that's coming to stay with you for, for your entire existence on this side of eternity. And this, was, this is like new, this is new news to them. Jesus could only be in one place at one time. In the Old Testament, this, that didn't happen. The Holy Spirit showed up, came upon a person, right? He like, you know, almost like a rain cloud, hit somebody and then he was gone. But this is a brand new imagery here. This is saying now that God and, and his spirit is going to be with you forever. It's amazing. So that's, a, that's, a first, that's a first promise. I think that's important because in this life, we're going to walk through seasons where we feel really alone. In this life, we're going to walk through seasons where maybe we feel like we, we don't have help or we don't have the help that we need. And what I love about the imagery here is, is like that you, you've got this helper that's with you and he's just like a mention away. And it's not just for in, like on Sundays in church. I think the primary role for this, for this to, for where God works the most is on Monday through Saturday. <laughs> and so when you hit something that you don't know what to do or you, or you, you hit a bump in the road and you feel like, I, I don't know which way to go, you have this helper that's just waiting to step in. And so he's talking with the disciples. The first thing he gives them a promise, he says, I'm going away. And I'm not going to be here in the, in, in the flesh, but the Holy Spirit's going to be with you. And so imagine this is, he's comforting them. He's encouraging them. The second thing he says, verse 26, John 14, it says, when the, when the parakletos, the counselor, the comforter, the Holy Spirit, when he, when he comes, who the Father will send in my name, he's going to teach you all things. And then he's going to remind you of everything that I've said to you. That's powerful. And so he's going to be with me forever, number one. That's a huge promise. We could just hang our hat and go eat breakfast or what is it, brunch, lunch after that. that I mean, that's pretty good news to know that I've got somebody with me forever. Like I, I, he's by my side from until the moment I breathe my last breath. But now here's this other function. He's going to teach me. And I want you to notice that he says all things. You know what that means in, in, in Greek? All things, you know what I'm saying? Like, like not just church stuff, not just church-related stuff, but whatever you do, whatever it is that God's called you to do, he's going to help you do that. He's going to teach you. Primarily, I think he's going to show you things in the Bible that you can't, you can't learn in a classroom. I'll never forget picking up the Bible a few times before I really became a Christian and I would read it, and it was like I was reading hieroglyphics. I didn't understand it. Have you ever been there? Like I, I, I would open the Bible and I would read it and it was like it was in a different language. And then when I, when I became a Christian and, and I, I entered into this relationship with God, and I would open the Bible and it was like it was speaking to me. 
I mean, like scriptures that I just didn't really understand before, now I understood. And, and so that's like the, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. The Bible is this big old map, but it's hard to interpret a map without a compass. And so that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. Like, like there's a lot in there. There's 66 books. Where do I need to read today? What do I need right now, Lord? I mean, I'm in this season of my life. Well, the Holy Spirit's job is to place you and put you right where you need to be to hear and receive what you need in that moment. And so right now we live in this crazy time where knowledge is just like overflowing, Everybody's a genius because they have a Google in their pocket. Come on, somebody, right? Like we're experts at everything. We, we have tons and tons and tons of access to information. But I've heard somebody say that we're, we're, we're drowning in information, and we're, but we're dying for wisdom. I want you to see the difference. It's not that he's just going to, when he says teach you all things, it doesn't mean he's just going to give you a bunch of information, but he's going to give you what you need in the moment that you're in. There's a difference between information and wisdom. There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. And so when Jesus is given this promise, he's saying the Holy Spirit is going is to give you the answers you need when you're faced with things that you don't know what to do. It's not just random knowledge, but it's, but it's wisdom. I've heard it said that knowledge constructs the Titanic, but wisdom avoids the iceberg. Knowledge builds a house, wisdom builds a home. Knowledge understands God, but wisdom walks with God. So there's some things when we, we go to Google to get the information for or the answer, but when it comes to the big decisions in our life and when it comes to, to, to really cultivating that gift that God has given you, the Holy Spirit is going to be your best friend. He's going to be the one that's going to teach you and show you things that I don't believe that you can learn on your own. And it's not just for, for church stuff. I think it's just as much in the marketplace. Around, did y'all know I, I worked at Pepsi for a little bit? Yeah, about, about, about a decade. And, and so uh, the first five years I was known, in, I was in retail sales. So I, was, I had a sales route or I had a, a driving route. I drove a 53-foot truck. Can't believe I didn't hurt nobody doing that. I would pray for other people every morning. <laughs> like, Lord, please keep them safe out there. <laughs> uh, I'm in a big old truck, and I, you know, it ain't going to hurt me. But uh, anyways, and so for, it, it, first five years I was doing that. And then one afternoon I was coming into the office to clock out. And they were over there. There was The bosses were messing with this computer, and they just bought this big fancy printer, and they didn't know how to use it. And I walked up, and the program they were using was Photoshop. It just so happened I didn't play many sports in high school. I just took a bunch of Photoshop classes. Okay? And so and I sat down, and it was like just second nature. I knew how to, I mean, I just, that was what I did for fun, made stuff in Photoshop. That one interaction took me from driving trucks out in the, you know, outside. It's hard work, people that do that work back-breaking labor to the, the GM said, hey, you're going to work for me two days a week now. And then from that moment there, I got into this role, this job that required a degree that I didn't have, and they just took a chance on me. And I remember every time I would, you know, have to go and do something that I wasn't qualified to do, that I didn't really have the knowledge to do, I would pray. 
And I believe with all my heart, God gave me the, he gave me knowledge. He taught me what I needed to know to be able to do that job well. Not only that, he opened the job up for me. And I want you to, I want you to see this and take this deep down in your soul, that the Holy Spirit is just as active in the marketplace as he is in the church house. And God will give you favor, and God will give you knowledge, and he will help you, and he will teach you. I mean, some of the greatest businessmen and women I know, that's how they do it. Before they buy a house, they pray over it. Before they make an investment, they pray over it. Before they partner with someone and sign a contract, it may look all good, and the lawyers draw it up, you better pray first. Because there's things that aren't seen, there's things that are between the lines, and so the greatest way that we can live, and that's walking in the Spirit, that is a life in the Spirit, is before I make a decision, I'm consulting with God. Before I jump into this partnership with someone, or, or, or you know, I'm, I'm consulting with God. Or if I hit a dead end, and I really don't know, I've, I've, I don't have enough knowledge or competence to do what I'm, you know, work, maybe in the role I'm in at work, ask God for help. Holy Spirit, I don't know how to do this, but I know you do. Come on, somebody. He will teach you all things. Third thing, John 15, verse 26, it says, When the counselor comes, the Holy Spirit, who I'm going to send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, he's going to do one thing, one major thing. He's going to testify about me. This is Jesus speaking. And because of that, you're going to be my witnesses. And so one of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit is to help us see Jesus in our life when it gets really dark. One of the primary functions of the Holy Spirit is to help us see the, the fullness of who he is and, and, and more than just read about him and more than just having the gospels and stories, but it makes the relationship real. It makes it active. It makes it like right now. And so he helps me see Jesus, and, and so the Holy Spirit helps me see Jesus, and because of that, I can testify about him. He helps me see him. He helps me share him. And we've all been called to do that. If you're not a Christian in here, you can kind of hit the pause button on this one. But if you are a Christian, we're called to share our faith. And so how do we do that? Get a sign and shout on the corner? I don't know. That didn't really work for me. Uh, you know, that, and I, I don't, you know, all of a sudden just want to give my life to the Lord because somebody's hollering at me on the corner. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think there could be better ways. I'm not, I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying maybe, maybe there's a better way to do it. Maybe it's through relationship. Maybe it's, maybe it's through you sharing what you've experienced, your testimony, how you've seen Jesus work in your life. You share that with somebody, there's no, there's no way they can argue it. They can argue scripture, they can argue the Bible, but when you've had an encounter with God and you share that with someone, it's real to you and it makes it real to them. And in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit came, it's known as the day of Pentecost, Jesus is, is prepping up the disciples saying, this is what's gonna happen when the Holy Spirit comes. Acts chapter one, verse eight, it says, you're gonna receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you're going to roll around on the ground and play tambourines and shout and sing. No, 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 no. That's not there. It says you're going to be my witnesses. And so one of the primary roles of, of the Holy Spirit in, in our life is to help us share our faith. 
And a lot of times we, we kind of keep it to just, well, what we do here on Sundays, that's, that's where the Holy Spirit does his work. But he really does his work outside of here. It's Monday through Saturday. So next thing, what do you say? Let's, let me read this to you. John chapter 16, verse 8. This is another function of the Holy Spirit. Jesus, again, talking to his disciples, he says when he comes, this is three things he's going to do. He's going to convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, I want you to, to see that for a moment. And this is, I think, really, really important right now in the day that we live in. Because a lot of times we look at the Holy Spirit as something that only works with church people. But I want you to see the first part of that verse. He says, when, when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to convict the world. And I've heard it explained this way, that there's the right hand of the Holy Spirit and there's the left hand of the Holy Spirit. And the right hand of the Holy Spirit is working in the world right now. It may not look like that. It may not seem like that. But in Joel, it was prophesied about in the, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon everybody. Acts, again, he's referencing to an Old Testament scripture. It says that in the last day, God would pour his spirit out upon all people. And so you have the Holy Spirit who's working in the lives of every person. I believe that. Christian or not Christian. He's, he's working in the world. And there's three primary things he's doing. He's trying to convince them of right and wrong. How many know we need that right now? Come on, someone. we're calling apples oranges and oranges apples, right? We're calling good evil and evil good. We're, we're, there is a, a spirit of confusion in the world right now. We're call, I mean, it's, it's, it's wild. And this part, this, this function of the Holy Spirit is not so much for the church. This is for the world. This is convincing. Like, like it's, it's funny to me how someone who's not a Christian has more of a sense of urgency of the world ending than a Christian. It's like they just know it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I know judgment's coming. I know it's on the horizon, right? Why do you think that is? Or think about before you became a Christian, if you're a Christian this morning, before you started coming to church and made that decision. How did you get here? <clears throat> I mean, somebody might have talked to you. Somebody may have shared something with you. But for me, it was like, it was these weird signs that started happening. Like the Holy Spirit started working on me, and I didn't know what it was. <laughs> started getting miserable in what I was doing. Started getting miserable in the life that I was in. I started getting these like vivid warning signs and I didn't know what it was. And, and so I called the only people in my family that I knew were somewhat religious. I said, hey, this is happening and I don't know what it is. And so, so you've got the Holy Spirit who's working in the world with the right hand, but he's working in the church with his left hand. And so he's, he's, he's convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But then inside the church, I think he's preparing the church for the harvest that's coming. Do you believe that? How many people do you know right now in your community that could really use some encouragement, that could use some hope, that could use some peace in their life, that could, that could use some power to help set them free from bondage? And so, so while the Holy Spirit is working on the outside, he's working on the inside. And so he's preparing the church and he's preparing the world. And it's a, it's a beautiful thing to know that, that God is concerned about every person. Every person, outside, inside, 
So the Holy Spirit is working, and, and it's beautiful to watch God connect the dots. To see someone show up to church, and maybe you're here this morning, and you really don't have any clue how you made it here. You Googled it or something, or you were on vacation, and, and now here you are. And, 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 it's, and if you can kind of look back and connect the dots, I don't think anything's by chance. And so God is working in our life, and he was working in our life before we came, became believers. But once we be, become believers, it's this greater, deeper, more intimate work where not only is he with us, he's inside of us. He takes up his residence in our hearts, in our soul. It's a beautiful thing. Now here's the last one, and this is, I think, the most important one here. I'm going to read the verse first. John chapter 16, verse 13. But when the spirit of truth comes, and precious, if you can come and come up, he's going to guide you into all truth. Somebody say all truth. He's going to help you see truth. He's not going to speak on his own, but he will only speak what he hears. And he will tell you what is yet to come. That's a really big statement right there. So you're telling me that the Holy Spirit is going to give me and show me things in my life that haven't happened yet. That, the, that this, this, the, the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that we sing about and we talk about, the same Holy Spirit that, that drew me into church and got me reading my Bible, that he knows the future for my life? I think that's a big deal. <laughs> to, to know that he's going to guide me and he's going to lead me and he's going to... And it's, I think it's a big deal because a lot of times, and I know in my life, I had no idea what to do next. And maybe you're here this morning and you feel that way. Or you, you, you get to a place in your life and you just feel like there has to be more than this. There has to be more. This can't be it. And I think a life of following the Holy Spirit is the most fun, adventurous life that we could ever have. Christianity's become kind of comfortable in the West. We try to make everything nice and comfortable and, you know, let's, I don't want to rock the boat, but Jesus is talking to a group of men that left everything to follow him. And I don't think anything has changed. That, that following after God is an adventure. It's an adventure. And if we get bored, if, or if we are bored with our faith, or we are bored with our life, you know, a lot of times when we get bored, we get into trouble. And we start preoccupying us with things we probably shouldn't be doing. But when we're living in an adventure, when we're living and knowing, okay, I, God's got something great right on the other side for me, that this isn't all there is. If I'm still breathing and living this morning, God still has something for me to do. I love the way the Celtic Christians described the Holy Spirit. Back around 4, 450 AD, they described the Holy Spirit as the wild goose. That's where we get the wild goose chase from, right? Like that, that term. And, and so they believed following after the Holy Spirit was like following after a wild goose, that there was no telling 
where you may go and where you may end up. And it was lots of adventure. It was lots of stepping out of the boat. It was lots of taking a, a step of faith. And, and I'm finding that we, we never really graduate from that place. And when we do, we get bored, we kind of shrink up, we, we, we kind of, I think our, our faith suffers when we don't have that adventure in our life. And that's what the Holy Spirit provides us with. He reminds us that this is a journey. It's not one-time decision, that, that it's every day we're following the Holy Spirit. It's like, like today could be the day that that thing that you've been praying for for 10 years could just happen like that. That person that you've been praying for for years and years and years could call you and say, hey, I've made a decision today. That career, that dream that, that you've had in your heart for so long, it's following after the Holy Spirit. Now, this is the kicker, though. It requires surrender. See, a lot of times we pray, Lord, I want more of your spirit. But really what we should pray is, Lord, I want to give myself more over to your spirit. He's a guide. He guides me. And, and what I've noticed, if you've been on a guided fishing trip or a guided hike or, a, or some kind of guided tour, you know who does all the talking? <laughs> the guide. <laughs> I think sometimes it's hard to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because we're in a really big hurry or we, we get our prayer in and then we just move on. And we don't wait and listen. Because oftentimes it's that, that, that still, small voice. It's stepping out in blind faith, knowing because God called you to do it. When I started telling people we were going to plant a church, they looked at me like, well, well who's going to go? And I said, I, I don't know. Like, well, where are you going to meet? I don't know yet. Well, how are you, how are you going to, I mean, it costs money. How are you going to get the money? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I had a lot of I don't knows. But there was one thing I did know. I knew that God had called me to do it. And that was really all I had. I felt that, that impression. I felt the Holy. And it wasn't like this big, audible voice. It didn't write it on a wall. It was just I, this burden that I couldn't do anything else with. I knew I needed to try. And I think the people that change history and the people that live a life of joy and happiness and adventure are the ones who are willing to step outside of their comfort zone. I have this picture. I don't know if we can put it up or not, but the Celtic Christians, again, I'm going back to them. They, they um, the monks, so these were the, the, the real spiritual ones that lived at the monastery in Ireland. They, they, um, they had these little boat things that they, they're made out of wood and they pitched it with like tar and then would wrap it in leather. It was called a coracle. And, and so in order to, be, to become a monk, this is what they would do. So they're basically baskets, almost like what Moses got floated down the Nile on, this basket. And they would get in the coracle and they would push off the coast of Ireland into the water with no sail and with no oars. And they would say they would let the spirit lead them where they were supposed to go. Isn't that fascinating? 
Some of you are like, that scares me to death, right? You're getting nervous just thinking about that, right? Like, I don't like living like that. I want to know, like, give me an itinerary. Come on, somebody, right? I want to know what's happening tomorrow and next week and what we're doing for lunch. They didn't live that way. They didn't live that way. They kept the adventure alive. And one, one story I read about a, 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 a Celtic Christian that got in this, he got in his coracle and he took off from Ireland and he ended up on this little island. And when he washed up, the king came down to meet this person and asked him, how in the world did you get here without a sail and without oars? And the monk told him, I, we prayed and wherever I showed up, I believe God wanted me to share my faith. And the story goes that the king gave his heart to God and the whole city did. And sometimes we have to be willing to do that. Sometimes God doesn't give us the next. He just says, take a step. He just says, take a step. Isaiah 30, verse 21. If you're in that place, I want to just read this scripture over you and then we're going to pray. When you're, when you're following God and you really believe, okay, God, you've called me to do this. You've called me to start this shop, right? You've called me to start this business. You called me to start this church. What it does is it puts the heavy lifting on God. <laughs> and this is how I believe it, that the Holy Spirit works. See, whether you turn to the right, Isaiah 30, verse 21, whether you turn to the right or whether you turn to the left, whether the currents take you east or the currents take you west, or whether, whether the Spirit leads you north or south, you're going to have a promise. You're going to hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. And I don't think there's ever been a more critical time in our, in our world than to have that in your life. That voice of the Holy Spirit. So this is what I want you to do. Just I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. I, I want to just pray for someone this morning. that you feel like you're at a crossroads and you've, you've got a decision to make. And you don't know which way to go. You don't know what your next step is. You felt kind of confused. You've leaned on other people to maybe help you make decisions and, and we're, you're, you know, and that's okay. But in your heart, you feel like I, I I just really want to know that I'm doing what God has called me to do. I want that still small voice. I want that, that affirmation that I'm walking in the way and I'm going to guide you. The Holy Spirit's job is to get you where you need to be, to connect you with the people you need to connect with. And you're here this morning, not by accident. And sometimes the Holy Spirit will lead you to take the worst decision. <laughs> he will lead you to take the high road. He'll lead you to turn down the good deal for the okay deal. And maybe you're struggling with that. And so just, just in this moment, everybody in this room, won't we just to pray this prayer? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? 
Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. It doesn't have to be weird. There doesn't have to be, there doesn't have to be this, this, the Holy Spirit can speak to you right now, sitting in that pew, watching online, outside in the courtyard. You have a decision you need to make and you just want to know, Lord, is this the way? Should I walk this way? Should I go right? Should I go left? Should I go to this school? Should I go to that school? Should I take that job? Should I take, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Lord, there's, there's a lot of good opportunities. There's a lot of good options. Holy Spirit, I need, I need you to guide me. So, Lord, we wait for you this morning. We want you to speak. Help us, Lord, to make the right decisions. Help us to walk in truth. Help us not to just take a deal because it's a good deal, because it's convenient, because it was what was given to us. Lord, help us to walk through the doors that you open and nail shut the doors that you have not. He's moving in this room. He's speaking to lives right now. Just ask him, Holy Spirit, what are you, what are you saying to me? How, how do I lead my family well? I want to be a good dad. I want to be a good father. How do I lead my family well? How do I lead my, my community well? How, how do I do that? Lord, give me your heart. Give me your will. Give me your mind. Let me be like Jesus. Let me, let me be led by the Spirit. God, we thank you so much that you've given us your promise. You wouldn't leave us like orphans, but you said you would come to us. We have a good father in heaven. We have an advocate in the son, and we have the Holy Spirit with us right now. And he's not afraid of our mess. He's not afraid of our bad decisions. He's not afraid of what we did yesterday or last week or 10 years ago. He is here in this moment right now. And so, Lord, we just reach out today and ask for you to speak to us. God, give us soft hearts. Give us tender hearts that can be turned and, and, and molded and shaped by your spirit. Lord, help us to be sensitive to what you're saying and doing, not just here, but on, on Monday when we're on the job or when we go home around the dinner table. Lord, help us to be sensitive and look for you in our everyday life. God, we thank you so much. Just in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen.